Hello. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Beetroot. We're back. Oh, it's been a little second. Yeah, it's been a minute. We are back in the studio, myself and Marta, and we're so happy to be recording again. I know. Oh, it's good to be back. It's good to be back in the studio with you. How has your quarantine been? It's been good, you know, a bit of ups and downs, but I'm glad that things are coming back to normal and I'm glad to be at 1.5 meters away from you in the studio. Safely. Very romantic. We have loosened ourselves a bit <laughs> and we've come into the studio to record some fresh content for you. Exactly. But we are being safe. We are. How's your quarantine been? Very good. Mm-hmm. Um, only thing being, I live alone and I've also been doing a lot of cooking. But this means I've been eating the same meal for about a week now. (laughs) So there's a lot of leftovers. There was a big lasagna. There was a big curry. Oh, my God. Okay, don't make me climb over the (laughs) table and strangle you because I live with four other people. And (laughs) I'm I'm lucky if I get an apple in the morning if there's something left in the fridge. I'll bring you some portions. Don't worry. I've got like five in the fridge. Uh, Today we are... Mm -hmm. Taking a little trip down memory lane. Yeah, we are. Um, I feel like all the celebs on their Instagrams looking at the Met, the Met Gala last year. <laughs> this is our own special memory lane. Yeah. And we have put finally put together all of the lines from our individual episodes with our guests to make our communal poem. I know. And what a great time, really, when we are all separated physically to come back together for this wonderful episode and be... Brought back together as one poem of (laughs) (laughs) to rise from the ashes (laughs) as one. Exactly. Beetroot is back stronger than ever. (laughs) Okay, so this poem is uh is is really beautiful actually. I was very impressed by um how none of our guests had any knowledge of the previous lines that had come before them. We kept it very organic that way Mm -hmm. so that everyone was really bringing their own essence um, to the podcast um, and to the poem. And the combination of it has actually ended up uh, being quite nice, very reflective. Exactly. So we just want to read this poem and kind of talk about it. And you know what this brings me back to? This kind of brings me back to the first episode that we did with Ashley, um, where she brought the Sylvia Plath a poem on and our three little gay hearts just started like clearly we were all thinking about our exes in our heads like there there was you know and I, it just it just reminds me of how much of ourselves we put into poems and this poem here that wasn't written with the intention of having a meaning when I was reading it was like this poem gets me it knows what I'm feeling stabs me in the heart exactly. get it right there an arrow straight to my heart um but it has ended up being a really nice way to reconsider how a poem's constructed Mm. um because i think i read this uh, little thing from the paris of you and it said a novel is like a business transaction it's a commitment um a poem is like a love affair and uh, a short story is like a relationship or a marriage like the the relationship between different literary forms and but i feel like this poem was a really long um you know, business transaction affair yeah. that we had over, I think it's six episodes. Yeah. Um, and you can really hear each different person inside the poem. No, for sure. And I mean, we can go into it more. Maybe I'll read the poem so that the listeners have an idea of what we're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> I take the scissors towards my brain and I cut it out. My imagination is a thing. 
something in brackets between life and death. A ghost from the past, the personal, the spiritual, political, go past me. Do not forget your deep gods. They died surrounded by their friends, and so did Julius Caesar. D so did Julius Caesar. <laughs> it works so well. Yeah, I know. We did do some uh, cutting up of some, some lines, barely. Some collaging, a little bit of chopping up, putting back together. Yeah. It's all I part think of it the took two process. minutes to come together. Oh, yeah, so. definitely. Um, well, you first. Like, what... What are your kind of first like thoughts and impressions when you read this? Mm. Well, when I first saw it on the page, like when we kind of finished assembling it, I was like, it was like building Ikea furniture. I don't know whether I've been in quarantine too long and built too many desks. Um, but it was really like, huh, like that's what a table looks like. That's what a poem looks like, you know. Yeah. Um, but with so many efforts put in from uh, different people, different subjects, different places, different episodes. Mm -hmm. And I know when both of us write poetry, it's kind of us stealing ourselves, you know, mm -hmm. it's our poem. And this was uh, less of a selfish endeavor, I, I think. Yeah. Um, not to say that poetry writing is particularly selfish, but it was really a, a communal poem. Yeah. Um, so when I saw it laying there, um, it just brought to mind the little journey that Beatrice itself has be been on. And I was really looking forward to this episode to go back through all of the episodes and kind of analyze and, and unhash all of the different nuances that we'll find in the poem. Um, yeah, I think the first layer for me, like reading it was definitely like, this was not written by one person thinking about one thing. Mm. This was written by six different people at you know very different people from super different places different ages different genders and yeah. sexualities and ethnicities and you know kind of just bringing a part of themselves and putting it there and then that's where i like that tension between the the very personal things you know because i know what some of these lines refer to i remember the discussions we had about them and then yet ultimately the fact that the poem tells this one story mm. you know there's something or like at least the one story that I connect to yeah it reminds me actually of something I'm really missing right now which mm -hmm. is um yeah myself and Marta and our other friends we always have potlucks mm -hmm. and we bring like a dish that maybe is from our childhood or something we've just learned to cook which we're so excited to share um for instance I always bring bangers and mash to the table oh, <laughs> because yeah. that's like a quintessentially British thing um and it kind of reminded me of that like everyone's bringing their own offering to the table um yeah. and it's such a symbolic offering and there's always a story behind it and this poem was very re reflective of that process as well and I miss it so much in this quarantine moment to not be able to cook something and bring it to the table mm -hmm. and have a seat at the table uh which isn't 1.5 meters apart you know mm -hmm. um yeah, I take this as it's towards my brain and I cut it out, my imagination, it is a thing. I remember this line was from Margot, mm -hmm. um, which I think was episode five. Yeah. And I remember she told us that uh, she's an improviser here in Amsterdam and uh, she had been at a show and this was a, a feeling that came over her. Um, in a moment of improvisation these were the words that came to her and I loved that for starting the poem because whenever 
whenever I see poetry read and whenever I read poetry, it's like an incantation. Mm. It's like you're stirring something mm. um, from like the very depths of your being. Yeah. So it's, yeah, almost casting a spell. I take the scissors, you know, uh, yeah. double bubble, boil and trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I remember also one of the, the, the things that we talked about with Margot that stuck with me the most. I'm, I'm a firm, one of my favorite poems ever is this French poem by Paul Éluard. And he's lost his, his wife and he writes Negation de la Poésie, Negation of Poetry. And it's a poem about how poetry can never express what he's feeling. Um, and I love that poem because I really relate to it. But what I loved with Margot is that the poem that she brought in, you know, I always had the feeling that poetry was like, or words were like, kind of like the sun, like they made everything else possible to be visible, but you could never look directly at it. You could never touch that source or that essence. Um, I'm definitely stealing this from Jeff <laughs> in one of his lectures. Oh, <laughs> but, um, but her poem that she brought in and she described it as like an arrow that cut through all of those layers and mm. went straight to her heart. Yeah. And, you know, it did touch something really essential um, and nearly as though for that one moment when, you know, all of everything kind of comes together in a positive way in that moment of improvisation and you're able to look look at the sun you're able to find words mm. you know for for what you wanted to mean you're shed like she sheds everything away from a situation in order to get to the very essence of, of what it of what is happening there like the interactions between her and and the audience their interactions if they're friends lovers on a horrible first date yeah. you know she really pinpoints that moment and i think from that episode what I got was for all the superficiality we have in this world and for all of the mobile communication and all of the double meanings and the confusion you need things like that which really go to the the heart of the matter and don't take as much time to yeah. to really pinpoint what it is you feel yeah you know we only have so much time life is short Say what you mean. Yeah, I want to just share this one line from a poem that I wrote recently. And I know we don't bring our own poetry in, but I feel like it's oh, quite hell. perfect. We haven't been in, in here for a while. Exactly. I mean, let's just shake things up. Do things a what bit What are rules anymore? What is time? <laughs> These are unprecedented I times. I know. And I wrote, I was having this conversation with someone and I wrote that words had cracked open like eggshells to reveal what I had really meant. And just that feeling that like, you know, the words that you're using don't even matter anymore. I could be telling you I made a pasta bake or I could be telling you you are insanely beautiful, but it doesn't really matter what words I'm using mm. because they've like cracked like eggshells to reveal what I had really meant. And, you know, yeah. this kind of possibility when you're in the right moment, the right space with the right poem, the right person, you know, to kind of like cut through all of those layers, if you see what I mean. Mm. And Margot's poem she brought with her as well was called uh, The Sick Rose by William Blake. And the title from the very first instant, The, the Sick Rose, mm. it's kind of like, wow, this, that's a diagnosis. Mm. You know, there's no uh, beating about the bush, <laughs> <laughs> so to speak. Um, but yeah, I really thought from, a, from an episode where we got so much immediacy from the poem we were talking about, mm. it made sense to, to lead with this line. Yeah, definitely. What do we have next? But then, but then it goes to something a bit less definite. We've got mm. it is a thing, a thing, something in brackets between life and death. 
Tim. 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 Oh, what a great episode. This was a lovely episode. Tim uh, brought with him Not Waving But Drowning by Stevie Smith, Mm -hmm. um, which is, again, a really lovely and and short poem, but much more metaphorical than the shorter one we'd done with Margot. Yeah. It always struck struck me in, in beat truth how no matter what length of poem we had, we could talk about them for equal amounts of time. It doesn't matter yeah. if it was a haiku, <laughs> you know, like we could go for hours and we'd be like, oh, look at the time. Yeah, no, for sure. And like for me, this goes back again to that tension that I was saying, like, you know, can a poem really, you know, for me there's like just this such, at least in this poem, like this tension between the the material and the ephemeral, like mm-hmm. something that's reachable and then not quite like that dance between those two, you know, because you've got, you know, I take, I take the scissors and I cut out my imagination. That's something so material, but then straight away it kind of like pulls back a little bit from that certainty. And it's like, but it's something in brackets, you know, something in between words that was never quite supposed to be a thing, something, you know, um, like, yeah. But then that, what do you, then take of you know something in brackets between life and death um i thought of this as life itself so the brackets being the four walls of your house uh you know the roof Mm -hmm. the chimney the front door all of it that's where you have this certain amount of time between like between being born and the moment when you're on your deathbed and what are you going to occupy that time with what are you going to fill your space with um and what's going to matter to you and i i remember tim said that um tim works at waterstones in amsterdam and i think often they're asked to do little bio descriptions for Mm -hmm. book sales and advertisements and he was asked to do one for um i think it was anthology something you know a, a book form that really sums up someone's life and he wrote this down um in vain of that topic and i think it he pinpoints the undefinability of what it is that makes a life. Mm-hmm. You know, how can we determine what is a successful, happy life? I think that's really being challenged right now is, you know, mm-hmm. we were all traveling along this trajectory of modern capitalism is a very good way to lead your life. Mm-hmm. It's a very good thing to have money, to have a nine to five job five days a week. It's good to, um, you know, have this gym subscription and have these clothes and mm-hmm. um, go to these different parties uh, and shape your lifestyle in a bespoke way. Um, and now the carpet has been pulled out from under yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. And we and we can't make that assumption anymore of of that being a valuable life. Um, so I I think. Prior to to COVID-19, whatever was in the brackets, I think a lot of people would have answered very similar things. Yeah. And I think now it's been drastically upheaved um, and turned. I mean, for me, it has at least. I I realize I I value schedules. Like, you know, I think that's nice. (laughs) She says a tear rolling down (laughs) her cheek and hair falling out. Um, I think that's a nice thing. But there's a fine line between um, steady schedules and living in the moment and enjoying what it what it is you hold yeah yeah what you hold and also in a very in a very immediate sense because our our surroundings have been so limited 
And although it's so lovely and it's been so nice, you know, to stay in contact with people that are far away and all of this, I think one of the things that at least has been happening for me is this turn to what I'm holding concretely in front of me, you know, my flatmates mm -hmm. and the food that, you know, you've been making, the lasagnas and this kind of return to very, very small, simple things. Um, it's funny you say that because the way that I then read Then, that I now read then the rest of the poem is nearly like a tentative list to ask, okay, so what are we going to put in the brackets now? Yeah. Um, because then the, you know, the ga the ghost from the past goes past, you know, and mm -hmm. I feel like this ghost from the past, I mean, we can come back to what, 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 how we thought about it with Ashley. Yeah. But now that list, the personal, the spiritual, the political, you know, the deep gods or the friends that come next. For me, these are, it's nearly like a list of questions, you know, yeah. what are you going to put in the brackets now? Is it What do you value? What do you hold? What the whole poem for me now seems as if it's quantifying a life mm -hmm. and yeah, posing the question of, so what are you going to do with, with your, with your 90 plus years, if you're lucky, mm -hmm. you know, and the, and the ending of this poem, Julius Caesar It presents us with a life that is, was very questionably lived. <laughs> was full of many questionable feats and incidences. Yet it was a life. We can't deny that. And a, a life that we remember in our history books, you know, presents us with the question, are you going to go down in history books? Mm -hmm. um, or are you going to live the unexamined life? Or... But what is the because I think that for for me the two lines then before so the last few lines just for the listeners again are do not forget your deep gods they died surrounded by their friends and so did Julius Caesar but what I love is because so do not forget your deep gods was a line that we got from uh, Gabo yeah our, our friend Gabriel our latest episode actually yeah that came here uh, with a, pro a poem by Eugenio Montejo uh, a Venezuelan poet called um, uh, Return to your deep Return gods. to your deep gods. But what's funny is that when that line is put in with Pippin's line, um, mm. the deep gods are now surrounded by their friends as they die. Like that reference, those two lines working together, the deep gods are not like all of a sudden become something so much more real, so much more personal, you know, and they're put on the same level as as friendship, as our friends, you know. Um, they're, they're not singular either. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like sometimes in an attempt to divide so many of us, our gods are singled out mm. um, and to perhaps consider gods from all forms of religion and spirituality together and almost as if they were friends, Yeah, you know, I'm speaking metaphorically here. Um, it's another form of commune, of community, of bringing things together that doesn't, because I'm sure now during coronavirus, everyone is appealing to their faith mm -hmm. um, if they do have it and if they're on difficult circumstances. Um, and I haven't heard so much media coverage dividing those things. I think everyone has a very um, equal respect mm -hmm. to, to the coping mechanisms and the faith that individuals are appealing to in a difficult time. And that line kind of s summarizes that for me. And I'm going to put this out there and I hate 
saying definite things like this because I'm probably going to have a different opinion tomorrow. But as of right now, if I were to put something in my brackets or if I was going to decide what I'm going to put in my brackets. Here we go. I know. <laughs> I Marta has just uncovered the secret of life. <laughs> so listen up closely. Um, but I think it's this putting together, you know, exactly what we've done with this poem, bringing together in different moments, you know, and this collaging and piecing together and trying to understand each other and like intimacy and friendship and our deep gods and our past lovers and our new lovers and how far we've come yeah exactly for me it's it's this whole when everything else has gone in within this quarantine the one thing that has remained is connection connection with people connection with well, mostly with people, but also with like poems, with all these things, but just in like art. Everyone is branching out to art now in mm. order to survive, whether that is binge watching a show on Netflix. <laughs> Normal <is> people. Not- <laughs> 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 little BBC Three plug there. Um, or, you know, reading um, Greek mythology or, you know, yeah. very intense academic writing. It doesn't matter. People are appealing to their music, their art, their films the tvs yeah just uh it's a form of escapism we can't go outside our houses apart from to record beetroot episodes um essential workers essential workers (laughs) um but we can escape through our tvs our paintbrushes Mm -hmm. our pens Mm -hmm. our headphones like that's something very beautiful and i think if you also make that itinerary of what it is you hold in Mm -hmm. a creative sense then you come to a, a similar bracket yeah um something in brackets between life and death what did you consume between life and death mm. you know who were who was your favorite artist who 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 you know gave you poems that you can hold on to forever yeah you know because these are the things that they'll show at your funeral or read at your funeral you yeah. know That's i mean how you'll be remembered in a sentimental way definitely and i think also so I don't know if everybody's kept up with us, but we've been doing broadcasts uh, over Instagram lives and having discussions mm-hmm. about some of our favorite poems with different themes. We did uh, Love in the Time of Corona. Yeah. Um, we, we really upped our technical oh, game there yeah. and discovered how to <laughs> double stream a live stream on Instagram. I know. We're basically technicians. Yeah. Hire us, honestly, <laughs> at this point. Um, but I never felt happier within the quarantine than when we would hang up and we had just immersed ourselves in a world you know like I think of that that great outdoors poem that you brought what was it called um what is it by Mary Oliver exactly like I felt like I had lived something that day like I had just immersed myself in the world of those salamanders waking up great poem um but you know and I think really in these times, especially, at least for me, writing and reading poetry, especially because I have the attention span now of a three-year-old and cannot focus for more than 15 minutes with this whole quarantine, but, you know, has brought a lot of relief. Yeah, definitely. And the, for me, a poem is an affair. Like what I said earlier, a novel is a very, you know, it's a, it's a discipline, I think, is what they said. And I was like, yeah, that seems quite a daunting prospect to sit down and write a novel and I'm sure all of you are trying in this quarantine moment um no pressure (laughs) and a short story is a marriage it's a relationship but a poem is an affair and it's really fun 
And I think that's why we do it and why we can do it every single episode because, Mm -hmm. you know, we love it for one hour and then it's time for it to move on to the listener or to the next I love that. All of these poems are just our little lovers. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, lovers. Exactly, our long line of lovers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that reminds me, speaking of lovers, um, Ghost from the Past, Go Past Me was a line that Ashley brought in Mm -hmm. for us. Ashley was our first was episode. Our first guest. She's a very good, good friend of ours, a really dear friend, yeah. and uh, she helped us launch Beetroot, and that was a very big day for us, actually, and yeah. it was so enjoyable. Um, I remember Ashley told us that she'd seen someone from her past, and after seeing them, um, they hadn't acknowledged each other, and, and mm-hmm. she didn't want to, and she wrote this line, "Ghost from the past, go past me. Yeah, And I think while we're stuck in quarantine, a lot of those old uh, feelings and sentiments are really being dug up for us. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, for myself and for all of my friends, I feel like especially the first few weeks of quarantine was like, do not do not call your text your ex. (laughs) Whatever you do. Do not text your ex. And I don't know if you guys have been as strong as I am, but I meant up. And if you haven't, that's Shit. okay. You know? <laughs> Actually, I take that back. Panic buttons text. are there for a reason. Texts exactly. are deletable on WhatsApp for a reason. Exactly. But definitely, I think that's also, the bracket for me was also another meaning. And it was just also these moments of rest. These moments, mm-hmm. not necessarily of rest, because I wouldn't say that this is a restful time, but these moments of pause where reflection comes in. And mm-hmm. reflection positively of you know what we hold dear but also maybe reflection that could be avoided like thinking about those ghosts from our pasts um Mm. and but I think maybe the go past me I know that um in that moment it was maybe something negative you know to to like see this person and not acknowledge them and have them walk past you but I do think that at least for me, there's been quite a productive letting go. Sure, you know? an empowering letting go to sit with sadness and then be strong enough to bid it farewell when the time comes, I think is a tool that many of us will be able to take away. Not all of us. I've mm-hmm. heard some horrible stories where people haven't made it successfully mm-hmm. through the quarantine um, and they've lost battles to mental health. Um, but for many of us, I think that these are challenges that will give us the tools to deal with sadness and to deal with very difficult emotions. Um, and I think what Ashley supplied us with that day was just a snippet of, of how to do it, you know? Yeah. It's kind of uh, her, her how-to on on dealing with the past. And as a friend, I know she always uh, brings that empowerment to us as well of, um, you know, embracing sadness and embracing your past. Um and then we combine this line with something that Catherine brought in. Our mm. crusader, Catherine, what a woman. Oh, yes. Um, who came in with WB Yeats, nonetheless, um, The Second Coming, which is always a powerful poem. I remember she told me, I've never read this out loud before because I hadn't dared to. <laughs> and I was like, oh, hell, oh, <laughs> like, yeah. am I in for it? <laughs> and she said, the personal is the spiritual political. And I, this line, she told me that it wasn't such a 
poetic line in a sense. And I did kind of struggle to slot it in just for a moment because it's very on the nose and not traditionally poetic or metaphorical. Mm -hmm. But she said, it's, it's my life's work. The personal is the spiritual political. And um, I think it embodies what we're dealing with now. What is the cause of COVID? How will Mm -hmm. we deal with the aftermath of COVID? What does COVID mean in relation to climate change? And with the WB Yates, um, she embarked on a tale of politics Mm -hmm. from a creative point of view. And like we were just saying, all of us are appealing to our creativity, our arts, our culture in this time, because how else are we meant to bear witness to the crisis that we're experiencing? Yeah, and I think also in another sense, the personal is the spiritual, uh, political. Our personal choice or our personal um, kind of isolation at the moment of our making ourselves more personal, more um, alone is actually political action or a action of solidarity and community you know and Mm. that's not usually the the movement that community takes which is you know um usually i guess to create community it's more about going towards others but at this point to protect ourselves and our communities and our friends and our loved ones we have to create be in our personal space you know and i feel like um that's a very interesting uh connection about how how our individuality works within a group you know and those dynamics and how do we bring about change now you know like Mm. change is not linear it has to happen over a series of events a series of individual um you know hyper awareness Mm -hmm. that is going to help tackle something that is so unpredictable so beyond our control but i think it's the perfect test for moving on you know this is the perfect storm for us to weather as a society in some sense because I think I don't want to say after this because it's so unpredictable and no one knows but in the future I hope that the way we dealt in this situation can be a lesson for how we deal with the much bigger crisis of climate change Mm -hmm. which was never treated like this and obviously like it wasn't the signs weren't that immediate to all of us yeah um but I think one thing that I really, really like about this poem, and mm. it's maybe my favorite thing actually, is the last line because oh, yes. it comes like a punchline to a joke. Mm. You know, the whole poem is building up, and then all of a sudden, you just have they died surrounded by their friends. And so, so did, did Julius Caesar. Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Bippin bringing this along, and I was like, Bippin, where'd you get that yeah. from? <laughs> It's so random and I cannot remember. Did he give us a story as to where Um, that came from? He said he found it in his notebook and he didn't give us much explanation. But I remember that whole episode (laughs) with Bippin was so emotionally raw. And I cried like a baby. I looked across the table and I was like, okay, Marta's crying. I'm going to have to um, wrap this up. But uh, Bippin came with a poem... um, by William Cowper called mm-hmm. The Solitary Sadness of mm-hmm. Alexander Selkirk, yeah. which was all about a man stranded on a desert island. Mm-hmm. Find the link to what we're experiencing right now. Cough, cough. Mm-hmm. Um, so that in itself is very, very relevant. It's nice we ended the poem like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but And then Bipin, who was from India, took us through some uh, Punjabi verse and... Mm-hmm. 
translated it for us, which was beautiful. And the whole episode was just transcendent, yeah. you know. But you know why I like that we ended the poem on this? Because I think one of the things that I found that I have needed the most during this quarantine and that has helped me the most is laughing. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I we've all been going through tough times and we've been trying to support each other through it. Mm. But... You know, in French, you say, it's better to laugh about it than cry about it. And I hope that when we, because the sadness is going to be there and the tension is going to be there. But I feel like as a way of releasing it, I just want us, I can just imagine us all coming back together at some point Mm -hmm. and laughing about it, making a joke about, you know, all of the mischiefs and all of the, the, the things we've had to deal with in this time. And for me, like this poem is very deep or like the, the the communal poem, you can find so many meanings to it. But that kind of like ultimate punchline that lets us let go again yeah. of all that tension and just laugh about it with our friends in that moment. I feel like that's a really nice conclusion. That's that's what I wanted, you know, a little yeah. a little return to lightness to come towards life with a lightheartedness is so important. And I think for all for all of the stereotypes um, against poetry, which, you know, say it's serious, exactly. it's subversive, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's intense. I think this poem, it gives you that in some sense, but it also mm-hmm. brings you back to, well, you know, it doesn't matter what you do because, you know, maybe you'll end up like Julius Caesar, <laughs> who, who the hell knows? And, you know, to end with this lightheartedness, I think no matter who you're communicating with in this time, it's really important to try and maintain that in your relationship with them. Um, and throughout this uh, throughout this crisis, um, I unfortunately lost my grandmother to, um, to the coronavirus. And on the same day, uh, me and my family got together for a pub quiz. And it really, I mean, <laughs> I was on the other end of the phone like, are we really going to do a pub quiz So what's now? everyone saying so- about the pub quiz situation? <laughs> yeah, so what are we thinking? But in, in actuality, it was the perfect thing to do in that situation because we were all far apart. We couldn't be together. There was no um, collective ritual that we could take up in order to process the grief or the mourning Mm -hmm. but we could come together in in a digital sense Mm -hmm. and do something very distracting and it was very light-hearted we laughed we drank wine Mm -hmm. you know that was almost enough of a celebration of my grandmother's life as it was a distraction from the isolation um that my family is in in England and I am in here yeah because Um, I think in moments of no go ahead you wanted to say that but no I just think the poem does that very nicely as well It, it gives us um a sentimentality and a seriousness um before giving us the punchline exactly exactly like a very well crafted joke and i think i'm glad you know that when i read this poem my final reaction to it was a little snickle a little laugh you know a snickle snicker <laughs> snickle <laughs> a little laugh because i think also in these times where we're all disconnected and far away from each other the place where I connect, the moments where I feel this linking up between me and my friends and my family is when we laugh together, when we make a joke and, you know, over Skype and, you know, you just, there's so much connection in laughing with someone, you know, Mm -hmm. and well, that's also what we got to do a bit in this episode, have a little bit of a laugh, the two of us with our listeners. (laughs) Have a little laugh. Exactly. Well, 
Oh, I'm so happy it. to be back in the studio. I know. It feels so, it feels so darn right. <sighs> I feel oh. like we're back brighter than ever, ready to take. Ready to take on the world. This will not be the last of us. On to the next few episodes with a new communal poem. I mean, exactly. who knows? Maybe we'll get some really dark stuff out of people oh. this time. Oh, yeah. No more laughing. No more. This is That's the end the of it. the last of the laughter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Thank well, you so much for yeah. tuning in, everybody. Um, Beetroot is brought to you by Uber Radio. Please mm-hmm. support them in this time. There's some great podcasts um, coming out as we all have spare time on our hands. Exactly. And a recording studio at our disposal. So goodbye. <laughs>